1: Our series is simply entitled The Romance of Redemption, and it is a specific look at that divine romance that finds itself at the heart of the cross. Join us. Truth for Today is next. The romance of redemption. We don't often look at the cross that way, but that's precisely what we find in the heart of God. It's this deep abiding love for His creation and the Son's deep abiding love for His Father. And how to restore and redeem it. That is at the heart of this redemption story we're seeing in the book of Ruth. Join us, won't you? Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth for Today from Valley Bible Church. in Hercules.
2: I'll pick up 11. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, Then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Here is the key of the story. What makes a redeemer willing to purchase? What makes a redeemer willing to marry a widow who brings nothing but stigma? It's called love. Love found a way. And what made God ever want you for his own? God wants to form a bride for his son, Jesus, called the church. It's made of Jew and Gentile. I ask you, why would he be willing to take a former enemy and a former uh, poverty-stricken, rebellious, enmity-driven soul? And get them in the family. I must say this to you. This is striking. Hear me well. There is no redemption for anybody that's not in the family. There's no redemption. If you're outside of Christ, he's not your redeemer. His cross work avails not for you. You must be born again you must say, I need to come into this family where the Redeemer takes care of his own. When I receive Christ, I come under the birthrights of a family member. I, To them who receive him, he gives them the right to be called the sons of God. Some of you have never received Christ, and you're not redeemed. You don't have a Redeemer. You can't have a Redeemer until you come and put yourself at the feet of Christ and say, I'm broke, I'm destitute. I don't have a future without a Redeemer. I don't have a future without a Redeemer. And you must come and say, I must be born again. I receive Christ at his feet. And he's not on a threshing floor. He spent six hours on a cross, three days in a tomb, And 2,000 years on a throne, you must put yourself at his feet. It's your only hope. You got to get in the family, and then you've got a redeemer. Outside of Christ, there is no redemption. I don't care how much religion you've got. I don't care how much you genuflect. I don't care how many masses you go to. I don't care how many offerings you give or how many times you've been baptized. It's when you come in your poverty and your rags and you lay yourself at the feet of Jesus and say, I have no future redeemer unless you take me in. And she puts herself at his feet. And then she's told to go back. And he tells the man, don't let it be known she's been here, not because we had sex. Once again, some make it this way, because I want to protect your reputation. You're a worthy woman. I don't want town gossips to make up a story about you. Go in the early morning before the sun comes up. And by the way, put out your garment. And he pours enough grain in there that only a peasant woman could carry it. You know what the estimates have been? Some say it was 200 pounds. That's impossible. She couldn't have done that. Others say that Boaz put up to 60 to 80 pounds in this shawl, that they say a peasant woman, because Bethlehem's right there, could take home, and guess what? That could feed Naomi and Ruth for two months. Nobody ever comes to this Redeemer and leaves empty-handed. You can't come to Jesus with your problems and go away without Him filling your heart. He'll fill your heart. He'll fill you to overflowing. Everything you long for, you've been at the feet of other men, but they never have fulfilled you. You've been at the feet of other people. They have never fulfilled you. You can try all the sex you want, try all the drugs you want. Try all the money, all the spending, all the ego trips. You'll still be empty until you come and meet this Redeemer. He not only buys you, he fills you. He gives you more than you'll ever be able to hold. My poor heart cannot contain all that he's poured into it. And sometimes I leak out. And then I met, I read Dwight L. Moody and he helped me. And he said, The only way that cracked vessels can remain full is to remain under the fountain. Remain at his feet. The safest place in all this world is at the feet of Jesus. At his, you know, when Mary, when her brother died and Martha was falling apart, Martha's in the kitchen and you hear the pots and pans and the wailing and, and going on. And said, and said, Where is Mary? Where is Mary? Get in this kitchen. And all of a sudden, she went in the front room, and Mary was at his feet. Wasn't wailing. She was being comforted. See, you can run to all the therapists you want, and you can take all the drugs you want, and all the prescriptions, the way to have peace. He who wraps his mind around Jehovah God will keep him in shalom, shalom, the Hebrew says. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep in perfect peace him whose mind, and the Hebrew is woven around Jehovah, and God will give shalom, shalom. When you put your heart around this God, he will give you a peace you can't describe. Now let me show you a verse in John 10. That I think amplifies Christ our Redeemer. Some have described the death of Christ as cosmic child abuse. Cosmic child abuse. They say that what happened on the cross was cruel. How could any father do this to his son? How could God the Father, if he's loving, see that his son was nailed to a cross? He must not have been a powerful God if he can't get his own son out of this kind of a dilemma. Think of it. The most hideous death of the day. And it seems like God is silent. And God does nothing to intervene to rescue the son. As some say, this is cosmic rape. This is cosmic child abuse. It's in the literature. It's shocking. It's blasphemous. But it's what they've said. So, let's ask. Was Christ a willing redeemer or an innocent victim of a divine plot? Listen to what John 10 says. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd of himself lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me. And let me read it in the Greek. Because I of myself, middle voice. The Greek had an active voice. I hit the ball. They had a passive voice. I was hit by the ball. But then they had a middle voice. That says, I participate in the action of the verb. And he said, I for myself, I myself lay down my life. That I may take it again. No one, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. When they came to get him in the garden, Matthew 26. Peter had his sword. And as the soldiers came close, whoop, just like that, the soldiers' ears cut off. Just like that. Jesus says, Peter, Put your sword away. Put your sword away. If I wanted to get out of this, Peter, I could call 10 legions of angels. And one legion is 6,000. So let's take 60,000 angels. And in the book of Kings, one angel killed 185,000 people. So let's multiply 60,000 by 185,000. There's not that many people on the earth at that time. I can get out of it. Why did you do it? Listen, hear me. If you don't get anything else, Jesus is the only willing sacrifice in the whole Bible. There was never an animal that said, Please get me. Slit my throat for Yom Kippur slit my throat for the day of atonement. There was never a sacrifice that the will of the sacrifice participated in its death. Christ the Lamb is the only one that willed to die and had a will. Everyone else, it happened to them. With Christ, I lay down my life. I am a willing redeemer of my people. Why? 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 Will you step up for Ruth? Because I'm a redeemer. And because I've come to love her. And as I thought on this message. And the Christ that I see here. I uh, drive it in the car. I ask God. uh, One big question. Why? Why? Why did you save me? Why? Why did you save anybody? We don't deserve to be saved. And unless you find a Redeemer, you never will be saved. You know, it's beautiful in coming to this Redeemer. Ruth doesn't know it. But it's going to change the family tree in Israel in remarkable ways. Poor Ruth. She's got a mother-in-law that is ever coming back to town. And the woman said, hello, Naomi. Never call me Naomi again, which means pleasant. Call me Mara. I'm a bitter woman. For the hand of the Lord has been against me. I went out full. I come back empty. There's no future for me. Oh, Naomi. You don't realize you're just about to become a grandmother, and you're about to get in the line of the greatest king Israel ever had, the line of David, and besides that, you're going to get in the messianic line. Naomi, Ruth, uh, Imalek, your family is going to be in David's genealogy, and the book of Ruth was written when David was the king. I want to tell you how I got here. I want to tell you about my great-great-grandmother, I want to tell you about my grandmother, Naomi, Ruth, all dead, on down to me. There's something you must know. When you put yourself at the feet of the Redeemer, it may change your family tree forever. Before I, uh, I moved up here from Fresno. I was going to school at a Mennonite seminary. And uh, living down there, and I, I sold Bible study tools. What else? I, I was connected with the radio station. And so I would do a lot of driving as a salesman. And a crippled woman, Elsie Schaefer, um, would give me McGee tapes. And I was always listening to McGee preach. But I went to a service before I came home. Assembly of God Convention in Fresno. And I went there, and I I heard a man preach. And he told a story I've never forgot. And it went like this. He said there was a man uh, whose family was godless back in the Midwest. Uh, The family were not church people. And in their part of the country, they used to hold all kinds of tent meetings, revivals, they called them, and Things were going on in the neighborhood, and their dad got curious, and one night he went to the meeting, and went back another night. Before you know it, dad had become this Christian, and their home was different. It, It was just, dad had changed. They hadn't, the wife wasn't a Christian, the kids weren't. But the dad developed some strange habits that the family were bugged by. They couldn't figure it out. And one of the habits was every morning he was missing. They never could find him. Uh, Five o'clock in the morning, he'd be gone. And um, the family were concerned. What's going on? The wife never asked him about it. But... She was curious. So what did she do? There's three or four kids. She got a hold of her eldest son and says, I want you to go to bed early tonight, and I want you to find out where your dad is going in the morning. He's up to something. I want to know what he's doing. What makes a man leave our house at 5 in the morning while it's still dark? Sure enough, the boy got up early And sure enough, Dad was leaving the house while it was still dark. Son was of some age and knew how to track. They said, Dad walked and he walked and he walked to the edge of this small town. And uh, the boy came back and he reported to mom. And she says, Well, well, what's your dad doing? Told the story. He walks out of town. And he goes into the forest. She said, track him again tomorrow. What in the world is he doing? Is he making moonshine? What's going on? What are you doing in the forest? The boy got up, and he said, I got up for weeks to track my father. And he said, he would go out of the edge of town, he, uh, and he went in the woods. And I finally went in the woods with him. And he said, there was a tree stump there. And he said his daddy would kneel down, and he could hear him praying. And he'd be praying. And when he got done, he got up, went back to the house, and had breakfast. Well, in a matter of weeks and months, his wife got saved. A matter of weeks and months, all four kids got saved. And so one evening, they're all sitting around the table... And uh, the wife said, Honey, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you this. What's that? She says, uh, Your boy's been tracking you for weeks every morning. We were concerned about where you go and what you do in the morning. And uh, he said that you go in the woods and you kneel by this tree stump. But he's bothered by something. And the dad said, What is that? It said, He kept hearing you pray. Lord, you promised, but you promised me. But you promised me. I'm claiming your promise. And she said, what was the promise? He said, uh, I want to be sure I get it right. Hold on. Acts 16, 31. This is the promise he was claiming. 30 said... He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And he said, I've been praying Acts 1631 on my knees every day since I got saved. He said, Lord, you promised me. You promised me. Change my family tree. Save my wife. Save my kids. Because Ruth made a trip in an evening out to a threshing floor and lay down at the feet of a kinsman redeemer who put his cover over her. It changed their family tree forever. She went out full. She went out with the prospect, Somebody is going to redeem me in chapter 4. We'll see how it happens at the city gate. If you're here today, you know what you really need? You need to get into God's family. And if you're just a church attender, we're glad to have you. But I don't want you to go to hell having gone to this church for years. And we have many people that have come, they like the people, they like the donuts, they like something. But some of them aren't in the family. They've never put themselves at the feet of Christ and said, all I bring is rags. All I bring is poverty. I need a great Savior. I need a Redeemer. No one's ever come to him that he's ever turned away. No one. No one has ever come. He said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. And if you read Naomi, the Hebrew word, she says, I want to find you rest. And the Hebrew word there means rest or security. I want to find you a husband that was throw his protective blanket over you so that you have a future. Christ is my Redeemer. It's not just an Old Testament story. You must always see what analogies there are to Christ. For we are called to preach Christ above everything else. Christ, Our Father, some here do not have a Redeemer. Some here are not in the family. And there's no Redeemer outside of this divine family. I was going to hell all the time I knew Jesus was the answer. I just didn't come. I didn't come. I didn't know for sure if he would have me. But I found out he was willing. It was me that was not willing. I want to say Christ is willing to save you today. He's willing to be your redeemer. He's willing to be the payment for your sin. But you must be willing to come. If you will not come, you will perish. You will perish. Come. Come, I beg of you, to Christ. And you shall be saved. And I hope you and your household. For the glory of God.
1: A very tender look at an illustration of the tenderness and amazing beauty of the gospel. We're looking at the book of Ruth here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard, and we trust our time together has given you pause to consider the great love that our Father has for us in Jesus Christ.